Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me. My name is Stephen Hill and with my friend, with his very, very dry hair indeed, it's Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> Hi Renfrey. Hello Steve, you're furious uh, because uh, I've no, delayed, <laughs> delayed this podcast by 10 minutes because I said I just need to get my hair dry. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. To, um, be, to be fair, if I had come... We're, we're doing this over FaceTime and if I had uh, come on 10 minutes earlier, I would be topless because um, if I put my top on when my hair's wet, my top gets wet. So, you know, and you wouldn't yeah, you have liked that. that. You? you wouldn't have liked that. These, you wouldn't have enjoyed it. No, no. These are things that I, as a shaven, as a shorn headed man, uh, don't really have to think about. It's not, it's not a problem you can empathize with. I don't think. To be no, fair, well, so. I used to be able to, but yeah. not anymore. I never had hair as long as you've got it, but I had it a bit longer. Oh, we yeah. have, we ha- we had very different types of hair. I think you and I. What did you have? What was your? I used um... To have um, curtains. Oh, like ev- like everyone in the nineties, like yeah. a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically, pair of kickers, wow. a Ben Sherman shirt, curtains. I cannot. I didn't have any of those curtains. No, no, I did. I had, I had curtains. Maybe we'll find a picture. Pictorial. And... No, actually, no. Fuck that. No, we're not doing that. Absolutely yeah, we'll do that. Chance. If you want a picture of uh, Steve with his curtains, then uh, do keep bothering us on the Twitter or Instagram. Actually, bother us on the Instagram because Steve deals with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and get ignored. Um, so on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Nightwish, Azusa, Duel, and Vazudeva. Plus, on Broken Records, we're going to be examining the strange case of Dirty Vegas and their second album which is confusingly titled one from 2004 (laughs) uh we should say thank you to our friends at musicism Musicism musicism.net is the place to be for you you budding singer songwriter musician guitarist producer you wannabe music industry thing you (laughs) uh (laughs) they do all manner of courses for uh guitarists for producers for singers for songwriters um Great tutorials, including that new one that I've mentioned a couple of times for guitarists covering advanced scales and chords, perfect for writing more complex and interesting chord progressions and improving your improvisation. Something which I don't don't think any of the bands that we're covering this week really need to be worrying too much about, particularly Azusa. Oh, we'll no. get into that later. We'll get into mm. that later, though. Yeah, um, get 25% off when you put the code RIOT in the capitals over at Musicism. That's musicism.net. Right, um, also, we should talk about our Patreon page as well, patreon.com forward slash Podcast. This week, we actually released our much-anticipated two-part special classic album podcast about pink floyd's the wall the first episode is available for you to listen to for free right now on wherever you are listening to this from just have a little scroll down and it should be the next one down oh actually the trailer dead uh debacle is the is the next one down <laughs> it's the next one down isn't it um as i refer to the trailer dead interview as our tiger king uh, behind the scenes <laughs> and i think yeah. that's um I mean, you guys can listen to it and see how you feel about it, but yeah, yeah. it's 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 enlightening. I haven't braved it yet, but anyway, back to something. Back to Pink <laughs> Floyd. Um, so the Pink Floyd uh, is a two-part podcast featuring myself, Renfrey, and Matt Reynolds from Haggard Cat. And as I said, part one is available for you now. Part two is available on our website if you want to part- purchase part two individually, which is rightactpodcast.com. But if you want to become one of our rioters, like the Mickey Mouse Club, isn't it? That it's, it's like a, just like the Mickey Mouse Club, just yeah. like the Mickey, or just one of our patrons, we should say. Really, um, the five pound tier 
means you can get everything that is on our Patreon page, including the second part of the Wall special, which I listened back to and was jolly happy with Room 3. I'm going to say this, and I feel like I can say this because this is primarily you. You even told me not to do any research. It's a bloody great podcast, and that's coming as someone who, as we discussed, is not even a Pink Floyd fan. Uh, Ashley, coming from someone who has very little knowledge on Pink Floyd at all. Uh, you can hear that discover (laughs) (laughs) you can hear that on the podcast i'm very pleased i I don't really want to spoil it because i do want people to listen to it but i'm very pleased that i've got so far little to no backlash about that i was expecting to be absolutely torn apart on the social medias about it but so far it's been relatively okay i've not seen anyone um go go in on you at all i think i'm quite uh, quite upset about it i think i've had one comment from fellow podcaster uh adam valley of the audience please podcast who will likely be turning up on one of our classic albums uh soon i shall say yeah um but yes other than that saying what oh just like actually even he was like not i didn't even know that they were that big as well so he was kind of agreeing with not agreeing with me because obviously it's totally incorrect what i said um but uh uh but yes so no i've had no actual um kickback at all it's almost as if you you idiot it's almost as if if you're a music journalist you can just say any old shit really and no one will um and no no one will (laughs) like take you up on it check it no (laughs) no one will bother (laughs) weird that isn't it me me and matt looked at you like you were a brand new species that no one had ever seen before (laughs) when you said the thing you said uh which i was ashamed we couldn't capture that on film but um yes as i said it's out now the uh, the pink floyd special um it's really good we actually to kind of um repay the compliment renfrey we spent five hours a few days ago talking all things radiohead for the next Mm. patreon special the next classic classic album series which will be going out in a couple of weeks again that is a two-parter because renfrey decided to pick two albums or three three albums like essentially (laughs) but but kind of basically two albums from uh, radiohead's back catalog it was brilliant i thought we had a lovely time and it meant that we got to listen to loads and loads of radiohead which is always a good thing thank you very much yeah i mean uh, hot take radiohead are a good band aren't they yeah i think it's fair to say that they're mm. pretty good mm, really good if you're one of those people who um absolutely hates people going on about how wonderful radiohead are maybe avoid uh that podcast because you won't like it um, um but you, well maybe you'll learn something actually i mean i would say the opposite if you're one of those people that hate people going on about radiohead why not try and work out why people go on about radiohead because people aren't going on about radiohead to annoy you they're going on about radiohead because radiohead are genuinely one of the best fucking bands ever and you should like them you're absolutely right actually i should be encouraging people to listen to shouldn't i yes to listen, listen to it to and it. buy it and like radiohead yeah even You've if you hate gone, if you don't like radiohead don't give us any money and don't <laughs> listen to radiohead no no that is not the way to go that is not the way to go at all um oh, so, I'm that, so bad at selling stuff yeah go on <laughs> that'll be yeah. that'll be the next one um also if you uh are in a position financially where you can't give us five pound a month that's absolutely um you know understandable and if you're willing to give us anything from one pound to however much you can afford um we do still do the rioters reviews you can just um suggest not discussed you can suggest an album for us to discuss so far we've got the likes of oasis bon Iver, nick cave the Man street preachers the natural Born killer soundtrack screaming trees um cattle decapitation neutral milk hotel um and we are just about to release 
or record, I should say, two more of those. The next couple to go out will be the self-titled album by them Crooked Vultures and Porcupine Tree's Fear of a Blank Planet. It's going to be the next couple of them that we're going to do. As for the classic albums, in a couple of days, it will be my pick again since Renfrey's got his Radiohead one coming up. We're going to do Roots by Sepultura, which is my pick. And then after that, I believe we're going to do Pinkerton by Weezer. Yes, we are. Mm. So that's what's coming in the next month or so over on our Patreon page. As I said, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. It's quite apt that we're talking about Pink Floyd and the Pink Floyd special. As what were these lockdown days with us all kind of stuck inside, looking out the window, longingly wishing we could go to a gig or to the pub or something. Um, Did you hear this about a bunch of Pink Floyd fans that all got together? Um, Kind of. There are about 30 Pink Floyd fans in New Jersey uh, were investigated by the police. They're all between aged between 40 and 50. So prime ready to get, yeah, (laughs) to get the coronavirus. Um, They all got together and played a bunch of acoustic Pink Floyd covers in a park. And the police had to come and break them up. Stupid gets. Wow. Right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, just listen to them at home or listen to a good band at home. (gasps) Oh! What a pathetic thing to say. What an awful thing to say. <laughs> I did say yeah. that. I did say that to goad you. I don't think Pink Floyd are a bad band, to be fair. No, no, because they're not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Meltdown, Grace Jones' Meltdown and Ross Kilda are two of the latest festivals to be cancelled. Um, what with all this going on, which is bad news. Um, we should so bad say, news. I think we should say, though, we are beginning to see... Um, uh gigs being rescheduled though which yeah. is encouraging i noticed yeah. uh, machine head have uh, rescheduled their burn my nick, eyes tour thing nick cave will be coming back in 2021 that's yeah. going to be scheduled those shows as well yeah so, so it bad news know. about yeah bad news about ross killed and meltdown um good news about those things being um rescheduled billy joe armstrong actually says he's written six new songs for the new green day album during his time in lockdown so more bad news <laughs> <laughs> the, the pandemic continues at pace. I wonder what, so it's been like two weeks that he's been um, the, in, in isolation, presumably, Billy Joe Armstrong. I wonder what he's been doing with the other 13 days, 23 hours, 48 minutes of his time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no comment. I like Green Day, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, I struggle to like them in these times when they've not released a decent record for a very, very long time. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we slagged off the last record. Well, I mean, particularly, even you slagged it off. No, the last record's not good. It's not good at all. No, it's not, it's good. not good. So, but I think since he's been in lockdown, Billy, mm-hmm. I mean, he might, you know, recapture some of that old fire in between watching Netflix and staring out the window. Who knows? He's got loads. Right. It's what long views essentially is about what's going on right now, isn't it? Pretty much. <laughs> So, well, if he's doing what he did in Longview, then he won't be writing songs. You, no, you know, he won't. <laughs> be bit, he will have his hands full. Mm. Mm. Well, onanism, <laughs> I believe they call it. With little Joe Armstrong. <laughs> <clears throat> little Billy and his <laughs> silly willy. <laughs> Episode title. <clears throat> <laughs> There we go. Little, oh my God, pathetic. All right, anyway, um, that's kind of what's been going on in the world. Uh, 
we are we should also say if you're listening to this on the morning that it gets released we are very very lucky again as we said you know with with bands kind of trying to do stuff um streaming online and, and whatnot we've got birthmarks now we talk about we talked about birthmarks debut album a couple of weeks ago and the and rain stopped and then the rain stopped sorry yeah and, and then the rain stopped them. and i i mean particularly i i not stop listening to that actually it's a really really it's a good record. record yeah it's a it's really a, good record it's a slow burn um but yeah it's definitely one of those records that once it gets under your skin it's really really good I'd and i i could i compared it to a lot of um sort of early noughties brit rock bands that i really liked and yeah it's a it's a dead good album they are going to be performing on our instagram page doing an acoustic set at 7 p.m on the 10th of april which if you're listening to this podcast on the day of its release is that day so if you're listening to this podcast when it first gets released it's today probably it's today you've probably got about i don't know eight or nine hours to kill before birthmarks get on our instagram page yeah. to be fair we will try to keep it up um i haven't actually discussed this yet but um we'll try and keep it up so that people can uh, go back to it and watch it later on as well if you have missed it um yeah but yeah it'll be there good so go down and see that. Uh, go down and see that. Get on your phone and see that. Start staring <laughs> at your screen. Well, like, just see, see what, wherever you are. It's exciting. Um, let's do some reviews, Rimfrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should start by saying we didn't get the new Strokes album, mm. which is a shame because I quite like the Strokes and I was quite I quite like the singles they released on that record and I was quite looking forward to reviewing it, but we didn't get it. So instead, we had to put something sizable in and you're not happy about it are you sizable to fill the void left by the strokes i just want to say if you do the press for the strokes and you're responsible for not sending us a record meaning that i am now going to have to sit here and talk about this record instead fuck you (laughs) fuck you (laughs) nightwish human two nature uh, is the ninth album by the Finnish symphonic metal band. Do you think it sucks? Do, do you think that's how they'd like it? Um, uh, sort of pronounced human to nature. I don't know. It's put in a really weird way. So it's human mm. dot semicolon two semicolon nature full stop. Is there a dot in there? I think yep. it's just semicolon two semicolon, isn't it? No. Right. It's semi. It's it's semicolon two semicolon nature full stop human full stop semicolon two semicolon nature full stop. The fact that we're talking about the punctuation <laughs> in the title of this record <laughs> should give you some idea as to just how difficult it is to actually um, find anything to <laughs> to get into talking about the music. Um, Oh, Renfrey. Uh, Nightwish have got to a stage in their career where they've done nearly everything that they could ever possibly have imagined was they were capable of doing. They haven't um, time travelled yet. Well, no, I meant within That's... their career. Oh, I see. Like, you, think, they... you think when a band form, you think they that time travelling is... Let's form a band so we can start, we can invent time travel. I'm just Who saying does the, that? the statement was technically incorrect. That's all. What, in their career? You as a band you didn't you i you did say that justified that later but that's fine we well, might justified it later <laughs> it was in the sentence oh. so you choose to ignore a word from it <laughs> carry on anyway they've headlined an outdoor uk festival they've headlined arenas they've broken into the uk charts they've graced the covers of some of our biggest um 
music magazines and music press. They've subbed Iron Maiden at Download. They've basically done nearly everything. The one thing they haven't done is made me enjoy a single second of their music. <laughs> now, they haven't headlined um, Download either, have they? No, no, they haven't. Do you not think that's a little bit weird seeing as I'm pretty sure Nightwish was like, I think they're coming over at the end of the year. You know, I think they've sold out Wembley Arena three times in a row now. You need to do the O2 to headline download now. I think Mm. that's what people were saying. You kind of need to be an O2 band. Mm. So, you know, Slipknot did the O2. Obviously, Maiden would do the O2. Metallica do the O2. Mm Mm-hmm. Or or bigger, you know, some band like ACDC obviously would do whatever the fuck they want to do, whatever they want to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, Guns N' Roses doing outdoor stadium shows, Foo Fighters to do outdoor shows, not that they've ever headlined download. Um, But yeah, I think now being a Wembley headlining band is not quite enough to headline download. Mm, Maybe it should be. I Mm. think it it probably should be Mm. if you're Mm. actually properly selling out. Wembley Arena. I mean, the fact they're doing Bloodstock, I think Bloodstock getting, they had a couple of bands when they headlined who were basically arena bands. Mm. In in fact, yeah, the year they, did they, it was Nightwish, Parkway and Sabaton, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all three of them have, have played arenas in mm. this country. Mm. Um, but still, probably none of them are considered at this point big enough to headline download. So, mm. I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty weird. I think, Anyway, that's a different conversation. I have a grudging respect for what Nightwish have done because they, it's not even grudging actually. It's not something that I pay much attention to. I don't like them, but what they do, they do very well. The thing they do, they do it expertly and they have taken a form of music which has never been cool in this country, has never been popular, couldn't be more of... Uh, a commercial suicide in the 90s when they started to come Mm -hmm. over to the UK and try and play symphonic heavy metal Mm -hmm. while we were, you know, kind of obsessing over Blur and Oasis, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is basically when they formed. And um, yet despite that, they have continued and gone and gone and gone and they get more bombastic, more creative more artistically challenging if you like with every album that they put out so in that respect for all the snidey shitty horrible things that i could say about nightwish it doesn't really matter because ultimately i ha- i do respect them as a band well that's the thing isn't it because this is a band that i think regular listeners will both will know that neither of us are are really into this whole kind of symphonic metal thing is not something we tend to go in on all that much at all. I just don't think it's either of our cup, cups of tea. Um, and yet the trajectory they've had is the same trajectory as other bands that we um, cherish and love. And the, the things that they do in terms of, you know, they're not following trends or anything like that. They sort of became the trend didn't they for a little while in the sort of mid noughties Mm -hmm. and things like that and that's exactly you know so i have a i have a huge amount of respect for nightwish to be honest i I think i mean it sounds like i'm going to be a lot kinder to them in this review than you are but um i i i whilst i 
would never choose to listen to Nightwish. I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. Mm. So have you ever really listened to Nightwish? I mean, what is your... I remember when I... That little period where I said, you know, I was listening to a lot of indie music and then I started buying and getting into metal again. And the Lamb of Gods and the Triviums and the Killswitch Engages and the Mastodons and Gajira and bands like that were kind of mainly going towards. But I did have a little period where I tried to get into power metal. Dragon Force being the big deal that they were at the time. I did buy a Dragon Force album. Um, I, I bought, I mean, they're not really the same, like Three Inches of Blood were another band that, although it's not really strictly like bombastic-y power it's, metal. Yeah, but yeah, I had, a, I had a, yeah. More throwback to classic heavy metal, isn't it? Yeah, it Three is really, yeah. Um, but I had a few, you know, goes at the old power metal thing. Uh, I could never really get on board with it and nightwish you know nemo and all that kind of the, mm. the sort of tara era i had to listen to bits and bobs from it it just never ever ever clicked with me never no there's a kind of um bombacity to it which doesn't tend to go across well in the uk um i mean in terms of my personal listening to nightwish uh actually i've just said it doesn't go across well in the uk but obviously that's a ridiculous thing to say because they are playing massive arenas so they it are didn't. An, yes it, it didn't. didn't for a while mm. they they are an outlier in that respect in a sense um but uh let me see i mean the first time i ever heard nightwish was a friend of mine um played me one of their albums we used to just go out driving in his car you know like when you've just just learned to drive and all you want to do is go out and just drive places basically yeah my, yeah, yeah. my friend had just learned to drive and we used to just go on just drive anywhere and listen to records basically and uh he played me i i don't know which night which record it was but it was definitely before they'd hit big it was very much when they were very 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 uncool um and you know i was like yeah this, uh, even then i was like this is cool but it's not my kind of thing at all and then they hit big with i mean nemo seemed to be the single nemo seemed to be the turning point in next that got yeah. a lot of exposure on um various music video platforms so on and so forth uh and yeah it's just bits and pieces that i've heard over the years i did um listen to their best of a couple of years ago because i was sent it and i was supposed to be reviewing it for something which never actually emerged never actually happened in the end so i have heard uh decades the best of nightwish which is you know a double cd uh encompasses their entire career sort of thing so i have a um vague overview is probably the most accurate thing to say rather than ever going in on a record or anything like that yeah it sounds like you have uh slightly more um awareness of their actual back catalogue than I do really because as I said it's just been a song here and a song there for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. at most parts um I don't know if I've ever sat down and listened to an entire record all the way through um, um bar the best of I had not done that I've never done that. I mean unless you count that listening to it in the car thing but mm. I'm not sure if I technically do really um no yeah bar the best of I hadn't until this record either okay fair enough well uh let's talk about the actual album itself because now i have listened i can now say <laughs> i can say 
very definitely say that I have sat down and listened to an entire Nightwish album. I think, anyway, I think I have because what's a little bit confusing about this is I listened to the first disc and I was like, okay, right. And then I think there's been something wrong with my download because the second disc, they sent me the Titanic soundtrack. (laughs) So I'm not sure that I can actually review it properly because... Yeah. So we should say um, that this is this is their ninth full length album, but it's their first ever double album. Um, mm. If you look at it in an old school fashion, uh, disc one and disc two, uh, which surely you'd have to uh, like weirdly. I don't know how this album would work on vinyl uh, because the second be disc, a quadruple vinyl. Yeah, the second second disc is technically one long song um oh damn what's it called uh all the works of nature which adorn the world uh is the name of the song Mm. and it's sort of broken up into eight different tracks or movements if you want um uh, (laughs) well i I just imagine that that might be the way they describe it i don't know um and the second track takes up 30 minutes and 58 seconds whereas the first disc is 50 minutes and 33 so we're we're looking at an album which is 81 minutes and 31 seconds nice long yeah. album we like those <laughs> yeah um, it feels like it as well doesn't it i don't think it does no oh no okay i don't think it does feel long i you know when when i realized we had to review this i was a little bit like oh god um and I was very pleasantly surprised at how I I, I I never get bored when listening to this record because there's too there's too much going on for you to get bored. Like it does it it, it is whether we like this or not, it is expertly pulled off. It's crafted in an absolutely astonishing way. Um they are but you know there are not many bands who could do this you um to go back to the code orange bosk thing even though i disagree with you on that that level you know you said uh bosk could never make a code orange record but code orange could make a bosk record i don't mm. think anyone else could make a nightwish record apart from nightwish really within temptation um they probably couldn't no, I don't think they. I don't think they could do it to the standard that Nightwish do. No, probably not. That's no, no. And and not. and I think that's something that we have to remember. And you know, whilst it's it's not to our taste, it, it like they do do this thing incredibly well. What this thing is, well, weirdly, Nightwish have as much in common with musicals as they do with heavy metal. In fact, on this album, I would argue they have more in common with musicals than they do heavy metal. I would absolutely, I was exactly what I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, it's bombastic, it's grand, it's operatic, histrionic, cinematic, you know. And the vocal lines in particular have a a, a cadence which is very similar to, say, like Stephen Sondheim or Gershwin to a degree. I mean, Gershwin, a lot of Gershwin stuff instrumental or even tim minchin you know with his recent forays into musical theater with matilda and groundhog day and stuff like that and musicals is something where you know i really appreciate the abilities and the the technical stuff that goes into it and 
there's a lot of um, crossover with prog rock, say, because you often get a lot of themes that come up and then and are revisited later on in the record and so on and so forth. And Well, we spoke about musicals quite a bit when we were talking about The Wall, which is yeah. obviously something that's just been out. And yeah. that comparison with musical theatre came up. And in that, at that um, juncture, I was like, to me, yeah, just for a little bit of a spoiler, I was like, yes, I can absolutely see that. But there were reasons why it, it didn't bother me. I think Pink Floyd, we, we also said in that special that Pink Floyd have a very, very British sensibility to them. And so there's a bit more sort of cynicism or snark, I guess. This Pink Floyd never... It's weird to say this about a record like The Wall, but there's never like a flamboyance to it. No. Whereas, whereas this quite is dour, isn't it? Yeah. Not so much of it is depressing <clears throat> and dour. Whereas this is a bit much more Disney on ice. I think. This is, this is, yeah, I, I can totally see Nightwish doing a collaboration with Disney. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I think that'd be amazing because Disney aren't going to touch metal in any other way, are they? You know, so, no. um, but, um, it, it it's a really sort of OTT delivery and like, are you a musicals fan? I, I'm guessing no. No, no, I like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's the odd one here and there. I mean, I mentioned Tim Minchin. I saw Tim Minchin's Matilda a few years ago, and it's fucking brilliant. Like, there, there's the odd one here and there, which is fantastic. But um, generally, I'm not a big fan of musicals. And the reason for that is there's such a sense of ridiculously heightened emotion to it that I just can't ever really properly get into them like we but we both were drama school students and i don't know if your drama school had the same emphasis on truth as mine did but the whole thing yeah with drama school was about finding the truth of something now i think you can find the truth of a musical but it's very fucking difficult because mm. um because they're so ott in nature and of course just the simple fact that you know people don't just suddenly go into song in the middle of a, a you know whilst they're talking or something like that um, i think musicals just to sort of dip in quickly for something mm -hmm. i think is like will back up your point to me musicals always feel like well, i've been seeing stuff recently people posting this little clip from one of the marvel movies and the whole cinema's like screaming at it right and i just thought oh yeah that that's what makes films that was that's what makes films better just people just shouting their heads off over the top of them like yeah that's obviously great but like, oh god look how great this is loads of people are just shouting over the top of <laughs> this film while they're in the cinema yeah yeah no one did that for one flew over the cookies nest did they rim free <laughs> i mean no yeah but, that's that's and, obviously and, not a sign of a great film necessarily no 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 i don't and and that's always i think been my problem musicals remind me of big blockbuster action films in the they might be loads of fun to be. They look like they're really, really good fun to be in, but I they often are. Me, but don't make me sit through the fucking thing while you're all and just go. Oh, I was having a really good time, and unless you're just going to sit there and whoop at it like it's a, you know, a, a, a sports team, I, it just it, to me that's not really what i want to watch a mm. film for or a film for i mean actors are notoriously egotistical but i would 
double that when it comes to musical theatre actors. Yeah, <laughs> there is yeah, a very yeah, yeah. big sense of sort of look at me, look at me, which is actually sort of the antithesis of what you want to do if you're an actor, really, because it's yeah, meant mate. to be teamwork and you're meant to be a part of the whole rather than this is my this is my moment. Mm. Don't know why I was Nathan that. Detroit in Guys and Dolls when I was at college, and I had an absolutely lovely, brilliant, amazing time doing it it was so much fun yeah and then when i went to watch the film and i actually saw it in the west end with ewan mcgregor and both times i was like oh, this is a right old drag unless you're in it mm. fuck it that's, well, what, the f- that's what i think the film um god we're going a little off piece here the film is yeah. um uh Brando and Sinatra. Too long. Brando and Sinatra. When the film's good, it's really good. But um, yeah, there are. It's far too long. It could have. They could have cut an hour easily. Um, I was in Guys and Dolls as well. I played nicely, nicely Johnson, like a legend. Ah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, good yeah. part. Good. Yeah, not the main part that I. Not the main part, I... but nicely, nicely has the best song. So fuck you. He does. He does. What is that? Um, sit down, you're rocking the and boat. And people are, let's sit down, sit yeah. down, you're rocking the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah good yeah. song. Anyway, but we if don't like musicals. If you pay us £50 on, my, on our Patreon, I will give you a solo rendition of Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. <laughs> we really need money right now. Um, <laughs> um, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Why all this talk of musicals? Well, it's just, it's just I mean, uh, this could... Inescapable. It's so inescapable. In comparison to this album. Yeah, it's so inescapable. Um, I, it did strike me whilst listening to this. There are moments on this album. I'm going to point particularly to a song, songs on the first record like Pan or Noise. And it occurred to me that if Devin Townsend had did those songs... I would probably really like them if they were part of a bigger whole um, of something big yeah. and flamboyant that he was doing. And the most frustrating thing for me with this review has been trying to work out why I give Devon a pass and I, I don't, I can't get on board with this. I think it comes down to the fact that there's a certain tongue-in-cheekness to, to how Devon does it mm. um this is I, unbearably serious this record yeah I, and, and don't get me wrong i think devon townsend does take his music incredibly seriously but he's also um capable of laughing at himself and it, it, it's he he seems to appreciate the sheer ridiculousness of what he's doing mm. whereas this comes across as extraordinarily po-faced and serious yeah, um, I think that's true. There is a any time spoken word stuff comes up in this, it makes me cringe. Um, there's a a lone voice at the end of Shoemaker where they do a um a Shakespeare quote uh, from awful. Romeo and Juliet, and and it is uh, and when he shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with the night and pay no worship to the garish sun. Beautiful quote, beautiful quote, beautifully written. Um, unfortunately, the way it's pre- performed is, and when he shall die, take him and cut him out in little stars. It is. I mean, I'm not really over exaggerating that am you're I? not at all no and um you know shakespeare's ott enough as it is you don't want to add to the ott-ness of it and it just it all it all feels very very amdram 
um, and just just uh, it just makes me cringe that sort of thing. Um, there was a guy who sorry to go off piece a little bit, but so much of this talking about it being funny, like deliberate, like incredibly funny when you didn't want it to when it wasn't meaning to be i think you're right about devon what devon will do is he'll make it so fucking bombastic and weird and over the top and over the top not even not even weird but bombastic and over the top and then he'll throw in some odd heavy bit Mm. where you just Mm. go oh well that's really like kind of totally at odds and a great juxtaposition and in those places where devon would chuck in something weird nightwish chuck in something like even more camp and over the top and Simon Callow. There used to be, my mate used to work at the Bowlplex in Basingstoke and this guy used to come in and they used to call him Mr. Theatrical and he used to come in with his wife to go bowling and he would literally walk up and sing to them. as He was the most like unbelievably over the top dude and it was sort of funny for a little bit, but then it just became like, Oh god, he's <laughs> driving me fucking mad. He'd walk in and go, rum, bum, 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 bum. "Hello, hello, what a fine morning it is today. The birds are singing. Can I get a song? What did you have for breakfast? I had a cup of tea and a scrambled egg." And he would just sing to himself, and you sort of go, huh, "What a funny little guy." But after sort of him coming in every day and doing that, they used to see him and go, oh, "I fucking hope you get hit by a car, you prick." I think you're missing. I think you'll Overkill. be able to. Con- I think you'll be able to confirm that going to drama school is being with seventeen other people who do that for three years and locked in a room with them, basically. Which is, fucking... yeah. I was quite lucky. I went to the drama school. I went to was sort of deliberately like Alexander Technique and yeah. you know, like all that kind of uber. But that as well was kind of uber serious. To be honest, in my a different way. Yeah, to be honest, my Brechtian one thing. My one was as well, but I don't know. I think once you get a whole bunch of actors in a room together, it's not great. Yeah, um, it's not good. I I think there's the odd exception to what you're saying in terms of um, uh, Devon will then bring in like a crushing riff, which uh, just makes you go, "Oh, that's fucking amazing!" Uh, and Nightwish will bring in what did you say? Something. Did, ridiculous ridiculous and like even more kind of camp mm. there's a song um called tribal uh which is the second to last song on the first disc uh which has a fucking savage riff um yeah it's the it's it's fucking ex- in fact that song as a whole i'm well keen on that song i think it's that great. Is comfortably the best thing on the record probably um it's certainly well, i like the most on the record it's it yeah it's probably the heaviest thing on the record so that kind of mm. that goes in with your brand doesn't it um and um i mean i i would give out a shout out to pan and noise as well um whilst i can't help but feel when i listen to them i'm kind of like oh, i wish devon was singing on this rather than um uh who's Floor. the vocalist now it's Floor, isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't keep up with because they've had like three vocalists over the years now I mean, Floor, to to be super, super clear, when I say that, I think it should go without saying, she is a phenomenal vocalist, like Mm. from a technical point of view, flawless. I'm sure she can do all this shit live. You know, she's... Hey, I didn't even realise I did it. Um, Mm. She's, you know, she is incredible, but it's just sort of the, um, the, uh, her delivery, which I, which is just not, not for me. So I am not, when I say that, I am not saying she's a bad vocalist or anything along those lines. I, it's just, it's, her delivery is very, very 
there's a cheese factor to it, which is yeah, you you will either respond well to or you won't. And unfortunately, I'm in the latter camp. Do you want um, me to go through my actual my whole kind of experience of when I actually felt like because the thing is music the opener takes sort of four minutes before anything actually happens it just sort of goes for ages and then i was just like but then you know i like that kind of thing yeah and i sort of felt like i gapped out for a second and it was just loads of orchestral stuff and then i was at the end of track three and so and all i could remember was just but then again again that that i was like um, where's the metal that that um that is very musical like isn't it most musicals have yeah. an o- overture which takes fucking forever you know you're half an hour in before you get to the first fucking song um but that that is i think people really like that kind of thing and often in an overture i don't think music does it in the quite the same way but an overture will often introduce melodic themes which will then come up later in the in the musical and all that stuff like it's really clever and it's amazingly well done um and i would you know i I think if we were looking at this record from a purely sort of technical achievement and the way that it's been pulled off and just just how um absurdly difficult this thing is to do you know we'd be talking about one of the best records of the year it's just unfortunately neither of us are really into this kind of thing yeah and I think Harvest, I mean, can I just, we want to talk about oh, Harvest, Harvest yeah. Harvest, I mean, please God, why? That <laughs> fucking Wicker Man shit, I just, I can't. I mean, I don't know if they've done that much. This feels like, from what I've heard, I've never heard Nightwish go quite as far down the kind of fiddly diddly thing before. It's very that, Celtic. That to me is a, is a truly unwelcome addition to the Nightwish sound. <laughs> uh, it is, it's, but uh, that is... That is bad. Weirdly. um, Oh, no. Harvest. Well, the beginning of Harvest, the drum beat and that sort of ominous synth sound, the first 18 seconds sounds like Tool. I mean, eighteen seconds of tool on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Album, yeah. (laughs) It's a sweet, sweet eighteen seconds, and then the vocals come in, and I'm like, oh no. Um, But again, that whole sort of Celtic melody thing. I mean, I am, I'm a Celt, mate, so I love a bit of Celtic melodies, me. And you know, it's very made. I like Celtic frost. (laughs) It's very, it's very. yeah, it's very latter day maiden, which obviously is more my cup of tea than your cup of tea. But I, I do understand. There's some. I, I, I've. I don't know what it is about Celtic melodies, but there is something about them that people really fucking like. I mean, look at bands like Dropkick Murphys and all that sort of thing. There's something. I don't quite think Dropkick Murphys and this are the same sort of thing at all, though. No, no, no. But I'm. I'm. Own, I'm specifically talking about the Celtic influence in it that's mm. all almost like a yeah. river dance kind of thing like it is it is massive and there is something about it yeah just... yeah, 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 yeah yeah but hold on i think that the two different things because dropkick murphy's are we're in the pub and we're having a fiddle and we're all dinking pints of guinness whereas this is we're out in the fields with this is the difference between the pogues and um enya yes Basically. yes so yes. they are different dropkick murphy's are the oh. pogues this oh they're definitely Enya. different they're definitely different yeah. but but that is the, but yes the people like thing. people like that kind of mm. celtish you know 
Celtish is that a word? Not at all, is it? Celtic. I think, I think stick with Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh. I was. I had. I. I'd read the Metal Hammer feature. Uh. For this, they they were on the cover of Metal Hammer. Um. Or was it last issue? I think it was last issue. Last month. Yeah. Last month. And when I heard that the second disc was one long song, mainly instrumental, I was like, oh, maybe. I, I had quite high hopes for it because I was like, well, maybe, you know, that's a bit of me, isn't it? A little bit of instrumental, lovely stuff. Um, I was quite disappointed because, as you say, Titanic theme soundtrack is a very, very <laughs> good shout. Um, I put down Braveheart, uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Well, well people were going, oh, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. It's like, no, mate. It's like Titanic. Is what it's like. <laughs> I think you wish it was like Game of Thrones. I think it's, it's not. I think it's closer to Braveheart and Titanic than it is to Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. I don't yeah, think sure. Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones is inaccurate, but I think Braveheart and and Titanic is is closer. And really, the difference there is that kind of romantic um, stream in it. You know, Titanic is just a. I was about to say it's a rom com. It's definitely not a rom com. <laughs> <laughs> but it is but it is a row it's you a row put a laugh track over titanic <laughs> as it's going down i'm not gonna let go of you jack <laughs> and then he um, thinks oh <laughs> and obviously braveheart has a uh, has a strong romantic theme to it as well um so yeah that there, there is a romance to this album which i don't think is either is going to really be for either of us particularly um, someone's just knocked on my door by the way do you want to go and get it mercifully no i think emily's gonna get it oh lovely it's just somebody delivering oh my, my exercise bike's just arrived your exercise bike i bought an exercise bike oh lovely oh, yes lovely stuff. that's a beauty in amongst all of this pain talking about night night wish finally some good news my <laughs> exercise bike um um so i've i did find uh all the works of nature which adore the world a little bit difficult um it starts with spoken word this time at least they they saw fit to hire a professional actor to do it geraldine james who's like a theater actor uh and um she at least does it well but I just never, I very, very, very seldomly respond well to no. spoken word stuff in any, in no, any music, great. to be honest, because it makes it just sound so fucking po-faced. And... Poison the Well do it quite well. What's the Poison the Well example? Um, what you think of all, I said, I said, I could never swallow the idea of a happy ending as another world's memory dies. <laughs> That that slice paper wrist is it? But anyway, <laughs> good. Um, I'm I regret it's quite asking. different to this. Admit, admit <laughs> just a tad, yeah, just a little bit. Um, there are bits of that track that I think are genuinely brilliant. I think the green is lovely, and I like quiet as the snow because it builds quite beautifully from this gentle piano part before adding harp and strings and hushed whispers and the kitchen sink. And I can get that behind that stuff because it's not a million bajillion miles away from some of the instrumental stuff that I listen to anyway. Although, to be super, super clear, before people go, oh, it's post-rock. This ain't post-rock. This is more kind of instrumental soundtrack stuff, which I, you know, which I occasionally put on 
uh, as sort of something nice to listen to in the background kind of thing. Um, but again, the the final track, the the thirty minute song, does go into just cheesy pomposity too often for me to be able to honestly recommend the whole thing. But I do mm. like individual movements of it or individual tracks of it. But um, yeah, overall, I find it a little bit difficult to stomach. But then... So, uh, go, on. Well, go on. No, go on. Well, I was just going to say, but, you know, I don't want to... Be, an, another record that we reviewed recently by a band that neither of us like is Five Finger Death Punch. And we were pretty damn kind to that record because at the end of the day, whilst neither of us are massive fans, although it seems like you've become a fan since, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but whilst neither of us are massive fans, um, neither of us could deny that they do what they do very, very well. And to be honest, I think this is exactly the same. You can't deny that Nightwish do what they do. Not only do they do it very well, they do it better than anyone else possibly ever. I mean, I suppose I'm saying that as a non-expert in this particular mm. subgenre of of, of um, metal, but they do do it pretty spectacularly um and actually personally steve and i don't think you're going to feel this way but i actually prefer this album to the five finger death punch record because five finger death punch aim for something that i like and don't hit it uh, or, yeah. or aim for something that is closer to what i like because whilst whilst i'm not a big fan of meat and potatoes metal there is also a lot of pantera and what they do and there's a lot of lamb of god in what they do and yada 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 Nightwish are aiming for something which is so far away from anything that I like that I can't kind of pretend that I like it, but I sort of enjoy it more because it offends me less because then it's not aping something that I already like. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I understand that. I mean, just to surmise my feelings on it, I can see that this 82 minute long double album is actually expertly, as you said, expertly put together I think the production's incredible. The oh, performances God, yeah. are, are it's performed Stunning. faultlessly. Yep. It's full of ideas and twists and turns and different musical flavours, different musical varieties. But, you know, I mean, I still hate it <laughs> ultimately. You know, I, I can't listen to it. I it's not a bad record, like any stretch of the imagination. No. But it is a record that I never want to hear ever again. Well um, fair enough. And, and that's, you know, that's just because I don't want to hear any of these bands. Like I, in my personal time, I wouldn't want to hear any of these bands at all. Whereas Five Finger Death Punch, like you say, I probably do like enough stuff, which is like that to get, um, you know, a kind of modicum of six degrees of separation enjoyment from it. Mm. Mm. But if you're saying who are a more interesting, creative, challenging uh oh, original no... unique and yeah. talented band it's no contest it's nightwish yeah no it's absolutely nightwish and they deserve their success and i think people there there is now obviously there is people in there, there is people there are people in this country who genuinely have taken this band to their hearts who love this band oh, and God, i think yeah. it's and i think it's good that a band who are so good at doing something have become so big it's not something exactly. again, that that we are going to kind of rush out and listen to but in terms of you know it's it feels kind of rare these days that 
the best band in a genre gets to the size that they should be. Exactly. Five Finger Death Punch are not the best metal band. Yeah. But exactly. they're probably the biggest at the moment. Um, you know, fucking Jerry Cinnamon or Liam Gallagher or the 1975 are not the best indie band. Yeah. But they're the biggest ones. Yeah. And like Green Day are not the best punk band, but they're the biggest one. Nightwish are the biggest symphonic metal band and they're probably... Not even probably. They are the best one. Well, yeah. Well, well, I think we probably have to say probably because we're probably. not experts, aren't we? But yeah, yeah. they probably are. Well, I mean, in, in in terms of what your average common or garden symphonic metal fan would be into, I mean, are they better than Epica? I've, I went and reviewed Epica for Hammer once. They're better than Epica. Yeah. They're better than... I, I think they're better than Within Temptation from what I've heard. I think they're better than Evanescence who are kind of different but are basically kind of trading off of one record throughout their entire career and it's not a particularly good record either and um i mean who else is there lacuna coil a little bit although i think they're quite different actually and then um delane i mean yeah i saw delane as well i think they're far better than delane you know that they are they are better than all of those bands. I wonder I if that objectively com- speaking, they must be. I wonder if that comes down to the fact that with this kind of music, um, it's not the case that with a lot of kind of music that you're having a bigger budget and having more resources is never is necessarily going to make you better. But actually, when it comes to this kind of thing, it probably is because if you can afford to get a fucking orchestra to play on your record it's just going to sound better than if you it doesn't dial it all in with synths you yeah know? but that that doesn't you can't buy ideas true that's true you can't as well. buy you can't yeah. buy creativity and i think there is more you know like all of the other bands that i've heard i do just go yeah you know it kind of sounds like a you know it sounds like something from frozen but with some slightly heavy guitars over the top of it and that's just not my bag at all yeah. whereas at least on this you know like i say there are you know twists and turns and there are uh there is there's depth and there is creativity and there is a kind of a a want to stretch out into new areas again they've picked other areas that in like kind of hiddly diddly folk music which i have no interest in at all yeah yeah but they have at least gone into some very very different areas and i don't think that that's got anything to do with budget i think that's down to their the the sound inside their head no true that's that's a fair comment and and also Mm. you know i don't think you'll be able to say this but as i said the prospect of an 80 minute nightwish record was not one that i was particularly looking forward to but i didn't find this anywhere near as much of a chore to listen to as i thought it would be there's a lot of bits that i don't like but it was never boring it was never dull it never it kind of did feel like 80 minutes but because it's so grand uh, it felt long in a good way i guess is probably mm. the way to put it i mean you, you may disagree with that but you know I, it was kind of i was sort of exhausted by the end but you know i was exhausted i was exhausted now i was exhausted <laughs> i was exhausted by the end but in a good way i would say yeah fine okay well there you go that is human to nature the new album from nightwish and it is out right now all right let's move on to something which i think we will be able to talk with far more um authority on 
Azusa, Loop of Yesterday. This is the second album from the weirdo post-metal crew featuring Liam Wilson from the Dillinger Escape Plan, amongst others. Uh, we reviewed their first album, Heavy Yoke, when it came out, when we were quite early on, early days on the podcast, I think. Yeah, it was only 18 Earlier. months ago. Um, yeah. they've, they followed it up very, very quickly indeed. Post-metal yeah. is an interesting one. Post-metal? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I've kind of put post-metal because... Well, I kind of get into it. I don't mean post. When people think of post metal, I suppose they think of a very specific type of music. But my um, reasoning for using post metal is not is because it is genuinely <laughs> what that should mean. In that they have gone beyond the realms of heavy metal for uh, for what they're doing. It's certainly very difficult to describe. Um, mm. I mean, the press release described it partly as Rolo Tomasi meets Kate Bush, which is not a bad starting place. I don't think yeah. I would add in Fall of Troy, as that's a pretty good indication. Me of where too. I've, got, I've actually written Fall of Troy in my next um, my next paragraph. Yeah, just just because um, both Azusa and Fall of Troy are heavy bands that know their way around a pretty poppy hook. Um, mm. But this is this is an intriguing mix of kind of hardcore thrash and jazzy art pop. Yeah, well, I mean, we were very positive about the first album, but it felt like their lead singer, Alina Zarifiadu, was a kind of standout member. And she's got this ability to switch her voice from very beautiful and ethereal to very harsh growls and screams in a second, like a kind of lady Mike Patton. She's brilliant. She's yeah, absolutely she is, brilliant. She is quite brilliant. And we said there's a lot of potential on that debut record yeah um yep. for something special i thought um and here the kind of parameters of what the band did on that record i think are stretched even further i mean particularly on the just from the title track um is this kind of hauntingly beautiful porter's esque minimalist thing which then segues into a rapture boy which is pure dillinger escape plan meets fall of troy you know uh as you say pop melody um which is a really odd really dynamic really good it's got that kind of black jazz thing that the dillinger escape plan used to, we're using so much around the times of like option paralysis and mm -hmm. one of us is the killer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it's very good this it's there are, to me there are elements of i've i've written down death bjork meshuga oathbreaker apex twin massive attack post black metal shoegaze grunge jazz thrash death metal and trip hop i think that's fair um, yeah, I think this is very good. Um, the first track, Memories of an Old Emotion, begins with this sort of thrash-inspired riff before very, very quickly turning on a dime and employing the use of these spacey jazz chords, which yeah. sound very disparate for one, from one another. And you're like, oh, how do those two things go together? And then two minutes into the song, they're playing those two seemingly disparate elements together. And it's like, fuck, wow. You've actually managed I, to combine those two things together. It's very clever stuff. Really clever. Stuff. I would say, you said thrash. I'd say grind. I mean, I think yeah, it starts yeah. like a grindcore album and mm. then it turns into a lush pop. And, and it is a handbrake as well. It's not like it slows yeah. down and moves. It handbrakes into this lush pop song yeah. and then back again. It's and like, then they kind of Arr! somehow meet in the middle. Mm. It's really, really good. And then the next song is called One too many times and there's this kind of morbid angel style death metal riff at the start of it and some great bass playing from like liam wilson is never got the credit he deserved as a member of the dillinger escape plan mm. he's a fucking great bass player um fucking lovely turns... lovely man as well hello liam if you're listening mm, he may he's well be excellent yeah um but the song just turns into this beautiful kind of alternative rock number after this 
savage death metal opening and then it goes and it's kind of it is you know when we were talking about code orange and we're saying how seamless everything is that they're often they're not interested in the seamlessness of it it will just go like yank and then you're into a completely different part but they always manage to yank back and forth and then find a way to to kind of make those two things slide into each other mm. so it's almost like like here's this here's that here's this here's that now here's both of them together and that's know, that's cool i think it's really you, clever you've quite eloquently um summed up every what i like about this record and also what i think is its primary problem as well um mm-hmm. i think this is a very good album and i certainly think it's an improvement on heavy yoke i do prefer it overall to their debut um, but if I did have a criticism of it, I'd say that the band never really allow themselves to settle for too long into one groove or hook. And I think the album could potentially be far stronger if they allowed themselves themselves to stay in the pocket of a hook for a longer period of time. What I will say is they have managed to create a sound which sounds quite uniquely them very very quickly this is a band that we're talking about who have only been in the public consciousness for the past 18 months or so and already they have a a sound which is like oh that sounds very azusa i think a lot of them that is down to their front person i think you know she's absolutely fantastic um i'd say the only slight disappointment for me is this is more of a refinement of what made them great on heavy yoke rather than a bold step forward and that's all fine and good um, especially considering the short amount of time between the two albums but I can't shake the feeling that um, if they had more I I think I I sometimes think that the music doesn't showcase quite how brilliant um, Elena Safaridou uh, I apologise we're probably totally mangling her name um, I think they have a potential superstar in her in a way. And I don't think the music breathes long enough to showcase that, to showcase her to her greatest abilities. If you'll forgive a slightly crass comparison, this is an album full of Panasonic youths. And I want to hear what Azuzu's version of Black Bubblegum would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there is... There's there's definitely moments. I think the main trick, like you say, is kind of switching between the beauty and the beast. Exactly. Yeah. Like quite often, I think in a very idiosyncratic manner and a very quick manner. But if they Uh, settled into those beauty parts a little bit more, they could produce songs which would uh, open them up to a bigger audience. And I think. I think this, at the moment, I feel like this band are only ever going to be of interest to a fairly small um, amount of people because they're so idiosyncratic and so crazy. It's just a little bit that I, I think if they just if they just put a couple of songs on, which were just a little more in that melodic pocket, um, it could be a real. We could be talking about an absolutely phenomenal act, and as it is, this is just a really cool curio for people who can stomach this kind of thing yeah i mean i actually like personally i really i really like the record i do think it's better than the first one i love the start of skull chain of the the song skull chamber yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh it's got the kind of it's it's got this sort of black metal 
feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into loads of other different places. As I said, I think Seven, De- Seven Demons Mary does that switch between Beauty and Beast as good as anything on the record. Um, the drum part on the last, the sort of rhythmic part on the final track is amazing too. Although I do think the first half of the record is the more kind of interesting part of the record just because I think everything gets done in that first half and then it's like you say kind of tricks started to get repeated it repeats its tricks yeah Um, yeah 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 but it is good and if uh, no I I mean I I really want to make it clear that I think this record is great um but I'm kind of looking at it from the perspective of this is awesome how could it be even better and Mm. I think um I think it would have been amazing if they had like if the first six tracks worked as they did but then then they just almost embraced sort of longer songs where they could um put put more more ideas they don't even need more ideas they just need to extend some of the ideas that they have and mm. extend some of those those hooks and and they they could become uh, relatively big within this field i would say because there's there's one just sort of ballad's not really the right word but there's one kind of slower number uh, about halfway through and it's only like two minutes long and you think well that could have definitely been longer but, and it's a yeah. i think it's a you know it's a weirdly disorientating listen and i like it i think it is better than the debut as i said i think that debut showed a lot of promise and i think they can go even further than this like obviously they can go even further than this i think this is a more coherent and cohesive record even though i feel like it does broaden the sound out even more than they did they they had previously um but yes, it feels like there's more to come from this from this band. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I do agree. It's baby steps at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, really? it's baby steps, and and that's fine because the foundation that they started was with was really really strong. So there's nothing in and of itself wrong with that. Um, but at the moment, it doesn't feel like they're fully grasping the potential of their phenomenal front woman. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that is Azusa. I still, I still think it's great, though, to be super. Yeah, good. I think it's yeah. really good. Uh, the album is called Loop of Yesterdays. I do really like it. Mm. And they are a very, very interesting band. And if you liked, you know, any of the any of the more, like you say, idiosyncratic, odd, weird time signatured, challenging, difficult um, bands from that scene that we mentioned, you know, obviously there's a member of the Dillinger Escape Plan in this band, then I think this might be something that you would really like. And if you like their debut album, I suspect you will enjoy this record more or you will like this record more. I agree. But you might be a bit like me and Renfrey going, ah, you know, the first album showed a lot of promise and this is, like you say, a refinement on it and mm. it's better. But I would, it would be great to think that next time they really make a kind of, they make the classic album. I just feel like they're capable of it. I, I hear the potential so much and I, I don't think they're quite there yet. But hey, it's album number two. That's okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on then to our next record, which is called Summerland. It's by a band called Duel. Uh, it's an album-long cover of the Everclear song of the same name. Uh, <laughs> not really, not really. Oh, God. Um, it's a kind of underground supergroup containing members of the Devil's Blood, Aborted, and many, many other bands. Um, they had a debut album in 2017 called Here, Now, There, Then. Um, I was kind of aware of this band, Renfrey kind of Mm -hmm. um but i'd never listened to them before Mm -hmm. um so i mean you brought this in yeah the the 
the kind of um I was sent there. The debut. skinny. I was sent their debut album when I was at the Independent, and uh, I liked it very much. And I thought it was um, very promising. Um, they reminded me of bands. There's another band I mentioned. This band called Gold um, a few oh, a few weeks ago because they played at the Chaos Theory Festival. Um, <laughs> Gold are an absolutely phenomenal band. They also kind of remind me of like Onassi Pazuzu a little bit, who we'll be talking about next week. The Cure, Ghost, a little yep. bit of Chelsea Wolf, lots of gothy stuff, lots of gothic imagery and kind of gothic mm-hmm. um, tinged things. I think there's quite a bit of 80s in this record. There's a lot of um, chorus on the guitar. Uh, when I say chorus, I mean the guitar effect as opposed to choruses, although there are choruses on this record. Yeah, there are. Um, I I liked here now there then, but I think this is I think this is quite a significant step up compared compared to that record, right? Um, cool. And I I like this very much. I think the singer guitarist Ryan Van Dorst has a very sort of distinct voice. It's a little bit nasally, a little bit Brian Molko, uh, but with a more uh, well with a more feminine edge, I suppose. Um, it's a bedazzling mix of classic and post-rock Middle Eastern flourishes psychedelia and metal. Mm. Um, I'd even throw a bit of gothic pop in there as well. Yeah, it's got a very odd feel to this record. It Mm. feels like, I mean, I was talking to someone about it the other day, and I was like, they're kind of like, as you say, an alternative rock band, but they're kind of like a dark, they're kind of a, they're weirdly, they sound like a new band they sound like a, a sort of a new band, but a new band doing something new with stuff that's old. So yeah. Um, yeah. Royal Thunder. Do you know like Royal Thunder? Yes, yes. Uh, Royal Thunder to me sounded really, well, you know, the, that, that album that came out that everyone went mad for. I can't remember the name of it now. Really Wick. good record. Wasn't it Wick? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, it sounded like a modern old school Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like I know that might sound a bit of an, uh, of an oxymoron, but and this has a bit of that to it as well. There's a kind of alt rock touch to it, but then something more, something darker, something a bit more pagan, something a bit more satanic sounding as well. And they kind of sit for me right in the middle, a lot of the time between, almost kind of you know when that 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 whole pagan metal thing was happening, like ancient wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't remember any of the other ones now, and. And then going all the way over to the other side of kind of just really good old school classic, classic rock. Classic yeah. rock. Yeah. And they seem often to sit in the middle of there with, as you say, a little bit of shoegaze elements in, um, a little bit of kind of uh, Sisters of Mercy and yeah. Fields of the Nephilim style yeah. guitar parts in it as well. And it's really good. They've, they, they kind of managed to be, and there's a song called um, Wolf Moon which mm. is really anthemic, but it's got this smoky, woozy sort of stoner vibe to it. But it's a sort of, it's a sort of soulful, ritualistic kind of stoner. It's not stoner like we were talking about Pigs, Pigs, Pigs the other day, yeah. um, last week, or, you know, even Caius or, or any of that kind of stoner music or, you know, Mastodon or early Mastodon or whatever. It's, it's, not, it, it's not riffy. No, it's not riffy, but it has got that, um that planet caravan style mm. vibe to mm. it you know yeah absolutely uh wolf means a great song i think the next song god particle is fantastic oh, as well absolutely amazing yeah really really good it has yeah, that's a, the best song it has a uh, yes possibly that or the last song i would say dust and shadow 
Um, it has uh, quite an unusual structure in that it sort of starts with those shoegazy, curie type elements and then progressively becomes more and more classic rock and galloping as it goes on, which is a really interesting, you know, I mean, by the eighth song, Be Your Sins and stuff, you've got quite Iron Maideny elements. You know, there's a galloping riff in that album, uh, in, uh, in that song, which is not a million miles away from Maiden or early ghost sort of stuff. Um, yeah. It's a record which isn't kind of, I don't think it's immediate, um, but I think the uh, melodies and so on and so forth really get under your skin after a few listens. Um, and as I say, I'd always kind of, in terms of people who do this sort of thing, I'd always seen gold as like the the, the gold standard. Didn't even realise I was going to do that. Uh, of this sort of thing in in terms of new contemporary bands. Um, but Duel are beginning to catch up quite quickly with this album, I think. Um, I really, really like this a lot. I think it's really cool. And, and I've heard it four or five times. I know I'm just going to like it more and more and more the more I listen to it. Um, I think it's a, yeah, this is a, this is an awesome record. Yeah, it's very good. It's very, very good. And I, I th think what you said about it's not instantaneous is true because the first time I listened to it, the whole thing just completely passed me by mm. and I didn't notice the Iron Maidenisms. I didn't notice the Curisms. Her voice reminds me of, I mean, you said Brian Molko, but actually um it's someone else and it's someone from that era and i can't quite put my finger on exactly who it is and i mm. sort of still can't but there are bands who i mean that will mean nothing to most people like you know liberty 37 the kind of brit rock band from from that era mixed with fleetwood mac mm -hmm. uh and yeah it, it, those things they take kind of three or four listens before they actually sort of come out. And yeah, before you, they permeate, yeah. yeah. And, and before you go, oh yeah, that sort of reminds me of that. Because at first, I did just go, oh yeah, it's a kind of, I mean, what, is it a stoner band? Is it? And you don't really know. It mm. takes a little bit, it takes quite a lot of acclimate, um, acclimation, mm -hmm. if that's the right word. Mm -hmm. And, um, but once you get there, and once you can kind of, I think, compartmentalize all the different things that it sort of reminds you of uh it's it's a really good record but that's very, often very good that's often the most rewarding music isn't it because i think the reason it seems a little bit alien at first is because whilst it recalls a bunch of bands that we've been talking i mean we've we've said everything here from the cure to early iron maiden you know like it that that's quite a broad canvas to be taking things from and initially it just sounds a little bit alien and and odd but that's because they've created this quite unique pocket for themselves um and so i think the rewards that you get from uh going back to this record a couple of times are pretty significant um i yeah i i, I really i really really dig this record it might be my favorite album of the week I think it's definitely mine. As much as I like Azusa, mm. uh, I think that's got places where it can go. And not saying that Duel don't have places that they can go, but definitely this feels a far more um, well-realised. And I was about to say eclectic, which is mad when you consider yeah. all the stuff that How I compared Azusa is, yeah. the Azusa to. But this is very subtly picking from so many different areas of classic 
alternative rock mm. and you know guitar music it's very mm-hmm. good yeah very very good so there you go um the album is called summerland the band are called duel and that one is out right now right let's get on to our final record of the week it comes from vazudeva the album's called generator it's the third album from the instrumental dance rock band from new jersey post dance rock you now they've been described as dance rock um yeah, i saw that i mean blah I would say that this is an album that you can dance to, but to call it a dance album or a dance rock album seems to be a bit of a misnomer. I think so. Um, I think so. I'd also, I'm, I'm very, very, very pleased you didn't describe it as a post-rock record as well, because um, whilst it's instrumental and it's easy to um, put that sort of lazy distinction onto them, I don't... I think if you called it post-rock, it would give the wrong impression of what this is. This is very sprightly and jovial and airy mm. and, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, as usual, was not aware of this band until you brought them in and you're about to tell me that you discovered them at Arctown, Gent. I'm no, sure. I'm not. No. Um, oh, I'm th- I, th- <laughs> I think I'm sure they have played Arctangent. It definitely fits in with uh, the Arctangent scene. Um, I discovered them supporting someone at the underworld i can't even remember who it bloody is now that's going to drive me crazy but um what i liked about this is it was an approach to instrumental music which is as i say people will lazily describe them as post-rock but that isn't really giving the right you know when you say post-rock you think of um bands taking eight minutes to build up to something and crescendo core and all that sort of thing and that isn't really what this is the songs are far shorter for starters and as i said it's stuff that is music that you can dance to i sort of said in the past um occasionally i pulled you up on pulling and so i watched from afar up on uh, as a post-rock band because you know again you could argue they're post-rock because they're instrumental yada 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 but it doesn't really give the right impression of what they are you know i don't think Vasudeva sound like and so i watch from afar to be clear but they do have that far more kind of major key happy element to them than um mm. than a lot of most people see post rock as like dour and quite you know sad um yeah. which i don't think is strictly true all the time but you know um and this is absolutely not that this is a very jaunty major key record yeah, I mean, it's not quite as dancey as you, you sort of touched on as the last couple of dancey post-rock instrumental albums that we've, we've had. I just said post-rock, even though That's you said it. don't call it post-rock. Don't worry, but, you know, from, from, yeah. from, that, that, from that sort of scene. So <clears throat> it's not aiming for Enrique and no. it's not um, it, it's not Maserati either, I don't no. think. No. Uh, it's not danceable in that way. Um, it's much more sort of mellow i think much more lackadaisical um there's a there's a it's not there, there's a very sparing use of distortion on this record in fact i'm not even sure if they use distortion at all on it actually there's a lot of clean guitars and um lots of piano to create uh dynamics but that's far more interesting to me at this stage in the game than it is mm. someone building up a phrase and then stomping on their distortion pedal to make the same phrase louder and heavier you know yeah i guess my problem with this is that as it isn't as catchy and high energy as those other bands that i really like those two that i've just mentioned that i both of whom i really really like uh 
I did struggle with this, to be honest. Okay. Not struggle, but I just didn't get much out of it. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, surprise, surprise, I really like this. I definitely think it's a... it, It feels... This is one of those records that we talk about which feels like one piece almost um it's difficult to uh pick out individual songs although fuck it i'm going to i think three is a really good song annoyingly the fourth uh song on the the album very confusing that um uh, which has this kind of jolly jaunty feel without ever being cloying i think that's another thing that they do really well because if you do sort of jolly jaunty major key music it can become it can um take a step over into the sort of wacky terrain and i don't think this ever goes over into wacky so i think that's a no very... no it doesn't go it's, it's definitely not wacky. it's the least wacky i think of the yeah. three that we've done yeah definitely that's the and that's a very tricky thing to accomplish i think um i think drop is pretty genius actually it utilizes a really frantic skittering beat um but the the music played over the top is just these very gentle piano chords and guitar chords which create this really lovely trans um contrast and i don't know if i'm saying this purely because i've been listening to a shitload of radiohead at the moment but that reminded me of the sort of thing that radiohead would do where you have an absolutely phil selways going bonkers on the drums but you know um tom york's just playing the odd chord over the top of it um yeah, we spoke about that a lot within Rainbows, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's very in Rainbows-esque. And I and I think it's a really cool um, and different approach to instrumental music that some bands are beginning to pick up on, but it's this feels new and different. Um, I understand how this could wash over someone and because it is... It is all in the same sort of parameters... But then at the same time, the parameters that it's within are fairly different from what other bands do, which is why I think I'm more into it. I I, I like this record very, very much. I think if the Dual album hadn't come along, it probably would be my favourite of the week. But um, uh, yeah, I think they're really, really interesting. And they're a trio as well. Again, these bands that sound like they've got a billion elements happening all at once and they're, they're just three people. Um, it's very very impressive live they were absolutely fantastic um i mean it's it's, they're one of those bands that i saw them and i sort of vaguely heard the name and um i went straight to the merch desk and literally bought everything that they had i think at the time they only had a couple of records but you know um just just because it sounds quite different you know and obviously live it's a little bit uh more energetic and yada 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 as these things are live but i i think they're a really really interesting take on the instrumental rock formula yeah i mean it's got a bit of 80s synth bass on it so i can't hate that no but overall i have to say i like my danciness to be a bit more dancey than this um and it did sort of and it, it was a little bit too um sort of sparse that's fair enough i think that's why i make the distinction as 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 i said people have described this as dance rock and i think that's a bit of a misnomer because i don't think that's specifically what it's trying to be it just so happens that you could dance to this if you wanted to but it i don't think that's strictly what it's going for i don't think it's going for a naming for enrique type thing no i absolutely don't 
No, I don't either. I don't because if it if it was, I mean, it's really missed, and I don't think they're no, I don't rubbish think they're to me. No, you know what I mean? No, like no. you'd be stupid to try and sort of compare. The only reason I compare it is because I think the kind of the actual the tones and the elements are similar. If the pace and the intention are different, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, it, it, it's okay. You know, like it's it sounds quite nice, but it didn't it, it, it didn't grab me. No, fair enough. I personally, personally, I do prefer this to aiming for Enrique. Um, I'm not sure if I'd go as far as to say I prefer it to Maserati. Although for me, it's not miles away. So there you go. Right. Well, there you go. If you like Renfrey's uh, recommendations, then uh, I would say stick with the other two personally because <laughs> they're more fun. They're more fun. They're definitely more apparently fun. Apparently, I yeah. hate fun. Uh, no, Maserati, is... they're, they're definitely more fun than the other two. Yeah. Um, that is called Generator by Vazu Deva. So let's end the show as we always do now with Broken Records, uh, our search for the worst album ever made. At present, there are four albums on the list. Uh, we'll go through them towards the end. But this week, adding the fifth record, we're going to be discussing the relative merits or lack of of the album One by Dirty Vegas, which was released on the 18th of October 2004. It's the second album from the UK house trio, uh, the follow-up to their 2002 self-titled debut album, which was fairly successful for them. Um that spawned their hit single from 2001, Days Go By, which reached number 16 in the UK chart at the time. Uh, it was um, the, a big hit, which was picked up in the US um, and was used on a Mitsubishi Eclipse car advert in 2003. It's in fact, it is their biggest hit. It actually won a Grammy for the best dance recording in 2003, beating, no doubt, Kylie Minogue, Groove Armada and... Daniel Beddingfield. Wow, they beat Daniel Beddingfield. Can you believe that? We've got to get through this, Steve. Come on. (laughs) Previous winners of that coveted gong include Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baha Men and Believe by Cher. So um, when the debut... I know when the debut album was released it peaked at number seven on the u.s billboard chart in 2002 it actually only peaked at number 40 in the uk but hey what do we know about dance music here in the uk compared to america right (laughs) yeah yeah well unfortunately Um, unfortunately what do i know about dance music not very much well i think my first question for you steve is this house music because it doesn't sound like house music to me well they're a house the, the first album was i believe they were yeah i've listened to the first album a little bit um i just want to say before we go on um and get on to the to the next one robert christigou who we featured heavily and will continue to feature heavily in our classic album series uh gave the debut album by dirty vegas a c meaning he prefers it to the wall okay computer roots and in rainbows nice one mate nice one (laughs) fucking hell um all of how, that brings us. How is he considered a decent critic? I don't get it's it. Fucking useless. Um, we should do him on Broken People. Oh, we should. <laughs> we should. We should get him on the show and just ask him why. Why? <laughs> how dare you be a person? Like, oh, yeah. Fine. Uh, anyway, all of that brings us to the follow-up, which is confusingly titled One. Um, it. Uh, scored 35 from eight different reviews on Metacritic, meaning it was the lowest ranked album of 2004. It currently has a 2.4 rating on the site, which is it's not good. 
no. 2.4 out of 100. No. Uh, the Guardian gave it one star. Um, the writer Dorian Linsky said, at best, it suggests Duran Duran indulging in their U2 fantasies. At worst, the brain scrambles for comparisons. The post-millennial Bruce Hornsby, Mike and the Mechanics go Ibiza. Frontman Steve Smith <laughs> delivers lyrics that presumably were made up on the spot in the voice of a man who rolls his sleeves up, who rolls the sleeves of his sport jacket up. One's sole redeeming feature is that the title helpfully informs reviewers how many stars to give it. Um, do, that last line is fantastic. That and last also, line is fantastic. Mike and the mechanics go go to Ibiza. It's not too bad either. Yeah, that's, that's bloody good. good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's also another review on um, on Blender, which is a, a music site, saying pinpointing the reviewer is called Steve Lowe. And he said pinpointing the worst element here is tricky. The hokey tunes of a million AOR nightmares, or the jangly stupid lyrics on Walking in the Sun. Overly earnest singer Steve Smith informs. Lately, I've been feeling different, like I've come from outer space. That is a really bad line um oh but let's not ignore the sound less like say underworld than richard marks being pursued by his accountant to go electronic if this exhaustingly awful album repeats its predecessor success the world will seem more confusing than ever uh which of course it didn't um lead single walking to the sun got a little bit of attention when it featured in an episode of the u.s teen drama one tree hill but the album didn't chart on either side of the atlantic and the band played their last gig a mere seven months after the album was released in may 2005 they disbanded uh they reformed again in 2009 released their third album electric love in 2011 which kind of brings it us brings us up to date other than at this point, if you're wondering what this album is doing in here, if ever you Google a list of the worst albums ever made, if you ever put that in Google, this album comes up more than it doesn't come up. Mm. And I hadn't actually heard this record before or really heard of this record before. Nope. I knew not of it. Um, how about you, Remfrey? No, I'm the same. Um, uh, and actually, on initial listen, I was a bit like, I don't really know why this is here i'm not 100 percent sure why yeah. this is in broken records i'm not strictly sure it should be either it to me it sounds like the verve but done extraordinarily badly much in the same way that the album fourth the comeback album from the verve sound like the verve but done extraordinarily badly um incidentally fourth has a score of 71 on metacritic compared to this album score of 35 which it seems absurd to me because i put them on a fairly level playing playing fields in terms of quality um i mean there are to be super clear this is not a good album at all it's um um it's lots of it is very bad and i think if we were reviewing it as part of the show proper um we'd probably savage it fairly badly um one star seems teeny bit harsh i mean i'd probably give it two (laughs) if i was being feeling mm. kind I, I feel like three out of ten feels about on 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 the nose um which is technically 1.5 out of five isn't it yes, um yeah. but um you know the, the, there are there are bad things about this record the the lyrics are fucking atrocious um <laughs> just, record, like, absolutely abysmal lyrics my just, god just to take the first verse from the last song um and I was lost as you are found and I get weak, but you stay sound. Check I'm high. You hold down. Sooner or later, he was bound to come out. 
I mean, what what flying fuck are you on about, mate? You know, they're pretty fucking awful. But, you know, but then if you'd the, have told me that was Noel Gallagher, I'd oh, go, I was a, yeah. I was about to say, but then the Gallagher brothers have written verses as bad of, as that. He's, I mean, I mean, most of the Gallagher brother lyrics are as bad as that. So I don't think that's a reason to totally. Um, can, completely savage this record i think if you turned on radio on right now there's a 50 50 chance that there'd be something playing which is as bad as this if not worse i think an 80 20 chance to be honest yeah. <laughs> um i mean is this record record any good no it's not it's languid it's boring tedious it's mundane and sipid and uninspired monotonous uh and i was glad when it was over but is it a broken record i it's not broken in the way that Eogan Quig is, is it? You know, Eogan, no. Eogan, bless his socks, had... Uh, it's not actually how you pronounce his name, Renfrew, by the way. What? Um, had a really raw deal in terms of, you know, they clearly went, well, let's make this as cheaply as we possibly could and all that sort of thing. And I, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't... I think the ideas on this album are relatively uninspired and all that sort of thing. And it's all on one level and, and it does become a little bit of a chore by the end um, of the album. It's around sort of 47 minutes, something like that. Yeah. 40 something. Yeah. Um, it did take, uh, but, but for the first sort of uh, five, six tracks, I was kind of like, I'm not really sure what this is doing here really. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty confused by all of it, really, especially when I first heard it. I mean, I hear, as you say, a pretty boring, pretty dull mainstream dance pop record. Exactly. Nothing more yeah. and nothing less. It's kind of offensively inoffensive. It's just boring pap. Offensively and inoffensive. Thought, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, well, it's just not for me, is it? It's just really not for me. Um, I don't really listen to this type of music. And I think it's crap because I think all of this stuff is pretty crap yeah especially around yeah. that time 2003 when i thought the sort of ibiza thing was in overkill and Absolutely. so i did a bit of i did a bit of digging and i thought what what is it exactly that has sort of led to this album appearing on so many worst ever of lists right um and i found a review by someone called bitburn on metacritic and this is their review it says what in the name of god is this where's that groovy house beat that cool laid back synthesizers, the awesome bass lines. There's nothing here but an attempt to be like everybody. Dull, plastic, monotonous and not a sign of life. Not one sign of the dirty Vegas I once knew. Mm. And that got me thinking. I was like, well, now 2002, 2003, as we said, you know, um, dance music at that point was so massive had become so massive and we're looking at a band who ultimately dirty vegas much more of a, a british band a british kind of dance act who come from the dance scene late in the day um who were getting played on car adverts and teen like shows like u.s teen dramas in america america a place where at that point had no real relationship with dance music so you look at the success of something like, like I had this on the other day and my girlfriend came in and went, oh, that bit song sounds like, that bit reminded me of a song, like a shitty bit version of a song by the Chemical Brothers. Uh -huh. And when, and when you think back to um, 
sort of the scene and the the movement that the Chemical Brothers would have come from. Um, early rave culture was actually a fairly revolutionary counterculture movement, which was taken into the mainstream and uh, and the, the the kind of the originators of that and the people from that scene, Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, The Orb, Underworld. Orbital, those sort of bands led this kind of charge toward the charts, which then became Peak Tong and Carl Cox and yada yada yada. And then Ministry you know, of the Sound next, kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then your next thing you know, this type of thing is massive. And I sort of wondered if this is like the sort of dance music equivalent of when I get annoyed at Linkin Park. Mm, mm-hmm. Because the thing is, people who don't know about punk or metal or rock music. When I say like oh, I'm into metal, they go, oh, you must like the Foo Fighters or Rasmus or Panic at the Disco or Papa Roach because they have no idea of how different those bands that we like actually are to what their idea actually, of yeah. this type of thing is. Yeah. So is this Green Day to the Chemical Brothers or Orbital's version of Crass? Like when I used to tell people who were into uh, punk. Latter Day Green Day, thank you very much. Latter Day. Well, no, 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 not Latter Day Green Day were got i mean you know green day banned from playing gilman street banned from the pages of maximum rock and roll like green day even on dookie when they signed to a major were a band that people like the, the old punks went nah fuck you no 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 and true they, but i think history's proved them wrong and i don't think history's going to prove this wrong no that but that's that's not the point is it i mean this is just this is the, i think this is the problem what we have here is some johnny come lately sellouts arriving on a scene at the last minute when it's a kind of commercial payday and it's turning into something really bland and boring. Mm. They're Candlebox, they're Bush, they're the All-American Rejects, they're Aiden, they're Godhead, they're Edema, right? And and by this point, people had just got fed up of it and hence mm. the vitriol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it might be. But it's kind of weird as well because I always thought that dance music was kind of made to designed to be commercially successful. Mm. So this getting panned by oh, what's this? It's not true or whatever. It's kind of weird because I thought that, I mean, you're, you're making music which is meant to get big. Like, this isn't punk rock. This isn't underground hardcore. This is sort of meant mm. to be big. So it feels like a weird, a weird thing. But then, like I say, if it's the old ravers who had created this kind of counterculture thing and then saw it getting sold to these fucking arseholes come along and sell it to like One Tree Hill, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can kind of on that level. You're like, Ugh, yuck. Yeah, I can understand that. I I think that must be what that this is because, um, that's the thing. Foo Fighters wouldn't sound particularly offensive to an awful lot of people, and I don't think they should do in in a lot of ways. Even the bad Foo Fighters records, I don't think, are quote unquote bad albums. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. <clears throat> they're not badly put together not not in the context that we're talking about with this broken records feature not at all, um no. so yes i suppose I, I i'm just gonna have to agree and, and take some sort of you know just say i mean i'm no expert on this but yes that's probably my theory as well um it, it's the only one i've got because there's so like- many bad boring records of this type that have been made before why does this one keep coming up yeah, it sounds like music that you'd listen to around drive time, kind of, you know. Um, it, it's the kind of insipid stuff which is sort of just there. It's very furniture music. But 
sounds yeah. like Sarah Cox burping, I think. <laughs> but yeah, uh, offensively inoffensive is is relatively accurate, I think. It, it It's like there's far, far worse stuff than this. This is not anything that I particularly want to return to at any point whatsoever. But, you know, um, there's actually a review. Uh, one of the reviews I don't think you mentioned. Did you mention the Splendid review? Uh, no, I didn't. One offers 10 tracks of zipless triple A folktronica, bland, edgeless songs like A Million Ways that wouldn't even heat up the ballroom D dance floor on the final night of a Midwestern regional sales conference. I mean, yeah, but does that make it truly god awful? No, it's just really bland and innocuous and dull. So, where does it sit as the fifth? entry onto this chart so well, currently we have propping up the rest of music six feet under's graveyard classics volume two um just behind it is eog and quig's self-titled debut record some way back is the enemy's streets in the sky just quite boring and then way off in the distance lou reed's metal machine music for me dirty vegas sit just slightly above Streets in the Sky by the Enemy in quality. Both of those records are coming late to the game, offering nothing other than a desire to just ape what's already happened for money. I think I ever so slightly preferred the Enemy record, purely down to... I think the frontman of the enemy is a better lyricist than the frontman of this band. Like, like the amount of let that sink in for a minute, people. <laughs> the amount of couplets or verses or choruses or whatever that stood out on this record is like fucking hell. Really, you're you're really saying that? I mean, let again just think about it for a second. <laughs> this is a guy who just goes Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> Ooh, Saturday. Whoa, whoa, Saturday. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'd almost, I'd almost be tempted to say I think it should be fourth in our league table, rather than third, which I think is what you're positing. Um, any... No, you're saying you're saying fourth. I, I was saying, I was saying fourth. You're saying third. No, no, no. I think this is worse than the enemy. So, oh god this is right, gonna get okay. so confusing so, what, so i think we're both saying four five five is metal machine music sorry well it's five will be metal machine music four or three will be the enemy two will be eogan one will be six feet under that's I how you do a chart i think four should be dirty vegas okay personally i it, i i prefer... that, you're saying that means it makes it better than the enemy the enemy would be four Oh, how's it, how are you hell. struggling so <laughs> hard with this? Uh, this is unbelievable. How are you struggling with this so hard? I don't know. If Six Feet Under is number one, number yeah, one no, being you're the worst. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Dirty Vegas should be three. Yes. Think. Sorry. Yeah, we do both agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. Fair. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I think it's definitely not as bad as the organ. Um, no, no absolutely not vaguely possibly close to being as bad uh as streets in the sky it's very close it's very close to the enemy but yeah they're both just really fucking naff aren't they like, just fucking really fucking naff 
boring and uninspired and mm. monotonous and bland. I think yeah. I think Streets in the Sky is shorter than this as well. So I'd yeah. give it I'd give it the leg up for yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. For okay, that. yeah. Yeah. You know. You're quite right. And then still, as I said, <laughs> out in the distance on another continent <laughs> is Lou Reed being re- probably really fucked off these uh here with these. There's got to be some actual good records near where Lou Reed is somewhere around in here. But I know there is. I know there is. And I'm picking yeah. one now, Renfrey. So let's pick one now. What are we going to do? Oh, this should be interesting. Bob Dylan. Oh, self-portrait by Bob Dylan. Oh, okay. Okay. It's going to be next week. So, um, yeah, that is Bob Dylan and Eogan and Lou Reed and the enemy all together <laughs> where they should be. Uh, so what next week, par- we're going to be- can you imagine the party? Can you imagine yeah. those people <laughs> yeah. all in a room together? Oh, so next week, we're going to be talking about Bob Dylan's self-portrait and working out if it's one of the worst albums ever made. I'm going to get um, to do my Bob Dylan impression next week. I can't wait. <laughs> that's it isn't it just some, more or less yeah, yeah. um uh, <laughs> he just sounds like mark knopfler loves to romeo in the seats of serenade um it's probably not the worst album we're reviewing next week because we're gonna be reviewing any shikari next week uh, uh we're also doing the black dahlia murder we're doing a ranzi pazuzu and <laughs> hopefully we will be doing the new album from danzig mm. you say hopefully I mean, it's Danzig sings Elvis. <laughs> so we I, might just whack that straight into Broken Records. Well, can, yeah, out. can I say, so, so I, yeah, I, 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 I was going to suggest that we don't pick a, a, um, a Broken Record out of the hat this week and just put Danzig sings Elvis into Broken Records before we'd even heard it. Uh, because it's obviously going to be fucking atrocious. Um, How dare you? Well, but, but it is though, isn't it? How, how absolutely how dare you how i bet dare you. you so a great man glenn danzig is a great man is he a great man yes he's a bit of a nightmare well, to say the least he? he's a yes great, how we dare, we how both dare you steve we both know stories why danzig is a fucking nightmare we both know i could don't yes you do. i can't no, I'm not going to talk about it now, but you you, you know. Anyway, I'm not going to slag. <laughs> I don't want to slag off Danzig. I might have to next week, but I'm, I only once a month do I slag off Danzig because I do like him. <laughs> once a but... month? <laughs> yeah. Like your period? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. When the moon um, is anyway. full. If we, uh, if, yeah, we so... were, if we were together in the same room, maybe we'd synchronize with each other and um, slag him off at the same time. No. Although, no. is that a myth? I... It's not a myth, is it? That synchronizing period thing. I, I, don't, I don't know. Tweet us. I'm let us know. A, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> no, don't tweet us that. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I don't need to know. Well, I'm just um, curious now. Yeah. I I, I, I would Google. <laughs> I would Google it, but I'm a bit worried about what would come up if I. Could. Yeah. But, don't don't oh, do fuck that. It All right. Well, anyway, go over to <laughs> musicism.net and put Riot in the in the checkout in capital letters you get 25% off all your courses we'll be back next week um, and we will be giving you oh no we won't I was going to say go to yeah, our Patreon page we're at patreon.com forward slash right podcast we'll see you next week <laughs>